Digital 410 Productions proudly presents the What's the Scuttlebutt podcast with your host, Dodd Abernathy, Jeff Kopsetta, and Henry Sledge. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the What's the Scuttlebutt podcast, your favorite World War II-based podcast, even though I feel kind of guilty for saying that in present company. But anyhow, it's another Tuesday, Monday night. We are here, and we got some big stories to hear from Henry and Leighton and all the things that went on in New Orleans that Jeff and I are feeling regretful that we <laughs> were not a part of. But without any more further ado, speaking of Jeff, Mr. Jeff Cop said us, sir, how are you doing tonight? Good. I, actually, I feel like the guest tonight because I've missed the last couple of <laughs> weeks. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> well, welcome. Welcome to the show. Speaking yeah. of uh, Johnny on the spot and always here and faithful one, Mr. Henry Sledge. Henry, how are you doing tonight, sir? Doing okay. Doing, doing good. You holding up? I've had a busy weekend. Yeah. Uh, it was good, man. We had a we had a really good time in New Orleans. Uh, dragged this British dude home with me. Well, I was going to say for the first time on the What's the Scuttlebutt podcast, this will probably be the closest thing do we have to an in studio guest. So joining us via the satellite office with uh, Mister Henry Sledge, returning guest nonetheless, Mister Leighton Hughes, sir. How are you doing, sir? Yeah, no, pardon me. Um, I don't think the jet lag's kicked in yet, so I think I've passed that point. And uh, yeah, it's been a—I'm great. It's been a great day. It's been a great weekend. So yeah, it's pretty first, cool to be here. First and foremost, I, I was wondering—is this your first time to the states, or have you been here previously? I've um, been here previously. I uh, went to New York. I think it was what 2005, and I visited occasionally when I was in the Air Force, doing a 24-hour visit to Vegas, um, in and out, you know, land hotel out get back in time to get the wheels up so what you're saying times by this so what you're saying all your american experiences are going to like the circus i mean those are like the biggest the biggest tourist traps around but yeah so how are you liking uh a more calm united states as far as uh, not being in new york or las vegas i love it it's it's different um i've said to henry you know when we've been driving around the house the homes that we've seen uh, absolutely beautiful um, although he probably hasn't taken me across the side of the track yet. Um, <clears throat> but, the you know, the space that people's homes, houses have around you, it's, it's insane. It blows my mind where everything in the UK is very condensed. It depends so just, on, you know, well, of, as I was going to say, it depends on where you live and what year in which the homes are built. Um, obviously, they're built in the 40s, 50s, 60s. They got a more wider space, bigger yard. Or if you're out in Texas, like where, where Jeff's at, Whereas I'm in Florida, my house was built in 2007, and I think there's probably 14 feet of space between mine and my neighbor's home. So it definitely depends on where you live and uh, what year your house is built. But yeah, there's definitely, that's the nice thing about here is you can get what you want depending on where you want to live, really. But uh, for those who aren't aware of what brings you to town and uh, the going-ons, what make you and Henry so exhausted... Henry, why don't you guys explain to the listening audience of the uh, endeavors in which you guys partake in this weekend? Yeah, so uh, this weekend at the World War II Museum in New Orleans, it was the 20th anniversary symposium of Band of Brothers. Uh, And it actually was it canceled twice because of COVID. So it should have happened like a year and a half ago. COVID kicked that to the curb. Um. But it finally happened. All the actors, well, almost all the actors came in late and came in. Um, 
you know, at the beautiful World War II Museum and, and just a fantastic facility. Uh, Bruce McKenna, Kirk Sadusky, a lot of the you know, Graham Yost, Tony Toe, John Orloff was there. John Orloff, Jeff, he is the guy who's the main writer for Masters of the Air. So, uh, oh, okay. Yeah. So, you know, the, the creative team and the actors were there. They had a, like a, you know, a panel, some, or several different panel discussions. And, uh, man, it was just cool to be there. I, I had not been to the museum since 2010. So, you know, it was cool to see all the changes and everything and just how the place has grown. And, uh, and then to see the actors up there, you know, reminiscing and talking about the making of Band of Brothers and their various interactions and how they got their parts. It was, it was just really cool, man. I mean, just a, just a great, you know, great weekend. <clears throat> Leighton, what was your um, opinion of the museum in and of itself? Um, Band of Brothers aside. I thought it was fantastic. Yeah. Like Henry said, it was magnificent. Um, you know, on, on the Friday when I arrived there, I went across it with, um, with, you know, the history chick Sarah, um, and we started exploring before, you know, you know, Taco joined us. Um, <clears throat> just absolutely incredible. Uh, obviously, we didn't spend want to spend too long in there uh, because they they had you know various talks going on. Um, so we attended you know the bootcamp talk with Dale Dye and, and Freddie Joe and uh, Kirk Sadisky, um, who was moderating that. Who was just phenomenal. And had a, an amazing interaction with him back at the hotel bar. Um, just an hour later. Um, yeah, I thought it was brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Uh, I and we had a really good look around on on the Sunday before we left, and went through the road to Tokyo um, exhibit. Is that what you call it? You know, yeah, and yeah. just unbelievable detail, unbelievable. And while we were doing that, let me add. Uh, well, Leighton did it separately. I went through with my family, but uh, while we were doing that, I had on my WTSP T-shirt, so got us a little. And guys, let me jump in and say this. Not once, but twice. Twice. I had some random person come up to me and say, really like your podcast. That's, you know, that's fantastic because Jeff and I have talked about this in the past. Sometimes we kind of feel like we're doing this for ourselves because we all have such a heavy passion for the topic. And it's like, I don't know, I almost feel like the three of us would get together and do this over a conference call on the phone, even if it wasn't live or being recorded. And it's nice when that happens. Um, like when you yep. told us that over the text, I told you, you know, that happens to me it's time to time, but it's usually when I'm at a World War II event where I'm right. like, I'm in a different state. And so people come from other states around and, you know, most people, you know, a lot of our listeners, they don't go to our website and, you know, a lot of them don't watch the videos. They watch it in the format in which it's originally attended, which is the audio. And right. so it's not until they hear me talking to somebody that they're like, oh, you're, oh, you're that guy from that. Yeah, that's. And so I get it from time to time when um, I'm at an event and people hear my voice, but it's it's definitely you know mind blowing. When I first met, yes. uh, well, the, when I went out to Texas to hang out with Jeff, it was a weird situation because he had a young volunteer with him. Not only did this kid say, "Hi, I'm a big fan of your podcast," but by the way, I briefly went to the same high school you did, and I and your daughter did. So that was even more of a little holy crap it is a small world here's a i flew to texas to meet a kid who grew up in my same town and went to my same high school with my daughter so that was even mm -hmm. a little crazy but it's definitely enjoyable and it's kind of like a almost makes it all it's one of those things oh it definitely makes it worth it when you know complete random strangers walks up he says keep doing what you're doing well, and i told you i told you guys about the first one which was lance 
yeah. Lance Faulkner. Uh, the second guy I did not tell you about, but uh, yeah, man, it was it was cool because, like you say, it, it's just like okay, man, people are paying attention. We must be doing something right. So that was cool. Absolutely. What was your, you know, obviously you guys were there for the Band of Brothers symposium, but what what was your overall opinion, you know, before we get to the Band of Brothers stuff of of their Pacific based uh, displays? You want to go first on that? Um, I thought it was brilliant. Like I said, yeah, I thought it was absolutely outstanding. Um, it's all done in chronological order. So you're walking along. Um, I said, I definitely saw this for the, you know, the European theater of war was there. It had a map of Europe and most of mainland Europe was red to signify, you know, that that was in, you know, Nazi control. Sure. Obviously the two gray areas being Portugal and Spain. But as you move along, you know, each, you know, becomes blue. I think it was blue. <clears throat> Blue, blue, you know, obviously, so that's the Allies taking over. But, and there's the same for, you know, the Pacific Theatre of War as well and Road, Road to Tokyo. I just, the details seeing E.B. Sledge, uh, a little stand for him and Baz Lone, Ernie Pyle, uh, Desmond Doss. I thought it was absolutely outstanding. It, it was a lot of time and effort has gone into that display, in my opinion. When you, when you walk into it, uh, you know, you see, I mean, pine tree, you see palm trees, you know, there's they which was like when you're going through the ETO part, you're seeing a, a you know like a part where the Battle of the Bulge. I mean, they have like a video effect of snow falling. Oh yeah. Um, <clears throat> say again. I said, oh yeah. Sorry, I'm I, we lost Jeff. I'm inviting yeah, him while participating uh, in, the, in the conversation. So they had like I don't want to. No, they had like palm trees and and imitation snowfall. That's pretty cool. Yeah, imitation snowfall for the Battle of the Bulge, but you know, like like for. Uh, walking into the road to Tokyo, man, the, the palm trees, I mean, it was, you know, and then like the Tarawa part, pretty cool. The seawall, you know, um, yeah, I, I thought it was, I thought it was cool. I love the display. They had a 37 millimeter in a position there. I mean, sand, sandbags, you know, it, it's, and, and you know, Richard Frank is the guy who quarterbacked that. So, I mean, you, you feel good about that. So, now, I don't know if there's a way to quantify this or it's even justifiable or even comparable, but I think out of the four of us, the only one who could truly now make this comparison would be Leighton. Is there something different the way that, obviously it's a huge museum, so it may not even be fair, but is there a, a, a way or something you notice that's a little bit different the way that they display things compared to maybe some of the larger museums over on your side of the world? That's a good question. I mean, once again, it's, it's probably hard to quantify because of, you know, the funding behind it, but there may be something yeah. a little different. Maybe the terminology, just, I don't know, like I said, between the four of us, you're probably the only one who could make that comparison. I mean, yeah, it's been a while since I probably, you know, the Imperial War Museum in London, um, you know, obviously in, in Duxford as well. Um, I think the Americans have got it nailed down. Um, although the museums in, in the UK are fantastic, um, you know, um, it's been a while since I've been to the one in, in London, so I won't comment too much on that in case I get it wrong, uh, just, through, just through memory. Um, but just, just the level of detail that New Orleans went into, the time, the effort, you can see it. Um, the interactive technologies that they had, you know, with the dog tag, uh, swipe card, I've got my wallet next to me to show you. Um, you walk in, there's a train. Uh, you get oh, yeah, I didn't even... 
like I didn't even walk up to that. Yeah, you know, can you get on that thing or? Yeah, yeah, you just you know they give you a card, you know, you okay, you know, and, and uh, you know the train starting up sort of thing. You know, I was with Sarah, and it says you know put your card here um, when you're told to, and you get given somebody who served in the war, and you get to follow their journey through. So every time you came to a station, you just swiped your card, the information would would come up, um, and you can get you know at the end of it, you know, you go on the website and you can pull down all their details um, at home. So to read up a little bit more, you know, under less pressure of having to move around. Sure. I thought that was absolutely brilliant. So basically they're kind of starting off the the presentation, if you will, is everybody who enlisted started out on a train somewhere and went to their, their basic training. So that's, that's a really cool way to kind of kick off the, uh, the self-guided tour, if you will. Absolutely. And it's one person, you know, look at you're following one person's story. So, you know, not to, you know, put down, you know, say the Pacific or, or Band of Brothers, you know, with Sledge or Leckie or Winters or Garnier, you know, who, whose, you know, service career has been well publicized. Sure. You're getting somebody else, you know, who would have served in a different unit in a different battle. So it, it's, you're highlighting other areas of the service, you know, so it's not just folks on 101st, you know, it's, you're looking at other units. I think that's brilliant. I think it's utterly brilliant. Absolutely, because it's kind of like what we, often say, you know, Jeff can, you know, jump in on this too, in the living history world is A, we try to keep those the memory of those people alive. So here's the museum trying to bring the memory of people that no one really knows about alive. And two, we often say the best way to get people involved is to personalize it. Absolutely. When, when, you're, yeah. when you're building an impression, find someone in your local town or your state and build your impression off of that group, that unit. That way when people come to your living history event, Instead of just hearing about some random people that have no face, here's a group from the same town, quite possibly could be related to. So that's that's very cool. Yeah, maybe it was the the pavilion where they had the symposium. You know, massive was it the Boeing Pavilion? Yeah, that like, massive room, obviously. And you walk in, and, and I mean, Jeff, you would have loved it, man. They had a B seventeen hanging from the ceiling, had a B twenty five, a Corsair. P-51 Mustang, TBN or TBF, a Dauntless dive bomber, and I think I'm leaving something out. I mean, it, it and then they had these catwalks up several flights of stairs. So, like, my son loved going up there because you could literally walk up to the top catwalk and you're spitting distance from the top of that B-17. Oh, wow. I mean, it's pretty amazing. Probably get there and count those rivets. You could, yeah. I mean, you could look right down in the cockpit. They've got beautifully out fitted or suited up mannequins in the cockpit um, of the B-17. Now, not like the Corsair or the or the Dauntless, but – and then they just had this beautiful display of some flight jackets up there. I was just – man, it's going to kill us, man. Masters of the Air, I got to get an A-2. And they're gonna, you know they're going to be a million dollars after Masters of the Air. Yep, got to start bidding on them now. Yeah, I know. Y'all need to steer me on the best place to go to get a good one because I'm not sure about that. That would be Jeff. He would have to, when it comes to the Army Air Corps stuff, Jeff would have to t- lean you in that direction. We don't, we don't have to get into that tonight, Jeff, but I'm, I'm going to be hitting you up on what's your opinion of the best. Because, yeah, I don't want a mall jacket. You know, you can get one that called an A2 and it's really not. I, I would want one that's pretty damn good, you know. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I, I was at that museum about four years ago, I want to mm-hmm. say. It was about November of... I want to say it was 2018 
and uh, that was my first time, first time being there. And I, yeah, all all that, all the stuff they got everything. <laughs> uh, I, I thought it was really neat. The uh, I don't know if they still do it, but kind of a an orientation theater where Tom Hanks is your um, a narrator. It was like a four D experience. Oh, and beyond all boundaries. Maybe that. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, we that, saw that the last day. Yeah, yeah, that was that was really slick. And, and but I got to say, I, I there was one thing I was surprised about was I thought there would actually be more artifacts. And mm-hmm. I guess I say that because I was still working with National Museum Pacific War at the time that I went to New Orleans. Sure. And, yeah. And when you have the amount of artifacts on display that that museum does and then you go to what's supposed to be the museum that's i was actually a little i mean the airplanes and everything you know it's like disney world for world war ii which is great i mean it's a memorable experience it was really cool me and my wife uh, went with another couple and uh right next to that train is the submarine did you guys get to go in the sub it was which one same same setup you get a card just based off of you know when you're in line they're just handing them out and you go to that battle station and it was really cool i got to be the torpedo man nice. so, do you remember which sub it was oh i couldn't tell you I, I don't have any idea but yeah it was like everybody's having to do their job and there's little screens in there that kind of coach you as to yeah. what you should be doing and there's a there's a screen kind of all the way around as if you're seeing like a like a 360 periscope you could actually see above the waterline and you can see the Japanese ships out there, and man, they say fire away. I'm hitting that button as quick as I can, launch those torpedoes. And uh, we actually, it was a successful mission. We sunk the the targets, but we still got hit. And it replicated at night, a specific night where this sub, uh, I think it actually went down, and there was guys climbing out trying to get on the water. So mm-hmm. after you go through all this nightmare, like Leighton was saying, you scan that card. And you hmm. see what happened to your guy if they went down with the sub, if they were picked up later, or if they, you know, made it out of the sub but drowned before rescue could get there. So, yeah, they like Don was saying, they humanized it. Um, they made it to where you don't need to know anything about World War II to understand the impact that World War II had on the country and on the world. Um, I guess I just expected you know, 25,000 artifacts looking at the size of the buildings. And that's not necessarily the case, which I'm not saying it's a bad thing. That's surprising no, to me. But that's a good observation because I looked at some pictures. Somebody posted a, a host of pictures on the Nimitz. And now that you mentioned that, yeah, I mean, looking at that, there was some pretty high-powered artifacts in that place. And um, that that's an interesting an accurate observation, I guess, because I didn't think about that until you said it. Well, it's interesting you brought that up because one of the things I was going to ask Leighton, I was gonna, I was speculating, well, you know, European-based museums probably had a lot more artifacts because all our crap was over there. But I guess clearly they would because apparently the museum has a inordinate lack of actual, um, you know, artifacts opposed to this probably all high-dollar displays and presentations. Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, when I was in Normandy back in June, you've got the tanks there, you've got, you know, the, the, the vehicles, you know, the art, you know, and you can see where, you know, the rounds have hit. Obviously they just picked them up from, you know, the barns or, you know, 
people have collected them, you know, dragged them off the battlefield and stored them for, you know, and obviously museums come along and picked them up and shoved, shoved them in a building. And obviously it's a lot easier. Obviously for the States, it's a little bit different because nothing happened, you know, no World War II battles happened on obviously mainland America. So a little bit difficult to get all across. So obviously there's, I think it was a uniform of uh, an African-American uh, US Marine, which was pretty cool. That, that was amazing to see. Um, who had served in World War II. Um, but yeah, you, you know, Jess Wright, you know, <clears throat> artifacts, I love to see that. And I did notice that there was a lack of artifacts. But not that it's a bad thing, but I think it adds a lot of context as well to displays. I'll, I'll say this, guys, and Jeff brought up a great point. So Saturday night, uh, we had, uh, I met Jeremy Collins, who's director of symposiums and conferences. We had a couple of beers. And, you know, I, I want to, you guys, I've said this, I, I want to like build a little outbuilding and have some mannequins in there and, you know, get one suited up in flight gear, one of them dressed up like a Marine and have some things in there. I'm beginning to think, and I want to do that, but I've got, as you guys know, I have my dad's stuff. And I'm, I told Jeremy, I'm beginning to have the thought I want to get his things into a museum. And there are some things, Jeff, out in the Nimitz. There are some things out there. And I, 20 years ago, I took some stuff out there. But I've got a lot of things here, as y'all know. And I'm, you know, I, I kind of broached that subject with Jeremy. Like, uh, you know, I'm starting to think they need to be where more people can see them. Well, not only so, that, but I, I think and Jeff, Jeff can definitely, you know, contribute to this because his, his working with museums, not only do people see them, but I think we as civilians, we over underestimate the effort to preserve things. For example, yeah. over my shoulder here, I've, I talked about this in my early episodes. I have a <laughs> propaganda poster. I bought that poster on eBay, stole it, got it for like 15 bucks. But I told myself, hey, I want to hang this thing up. But you can't just hang up a poster. It's going to get sun faded. Luckily, at the time, I did computer work for a frame gallery. So now I have a $13 poster. In a frame, luckily I did trade on, but that's a $150 frame because it has UV-protected glass, it has acid-resistant paper, and it is museum quality so that, and behind me, the screen screen is covering up my window so no sunlight gets in here. And so an effort just to protect a $13 poster that I stole off of eBay because somebody slept on the auction, luckily I was able to do trade, but otherwise I'd have to drop $150 on a frame just so the damn thing doesn't fade and, and doesn't wither away. And you have artifacts like that of your father's, and you think, well, they're just sitting in a box. Jeff can tell you, just sitting in a box, in the inappropriate box, it will deteriorate. Yeah. Well, he, you know, he, Jeremy can't guarantee anything. I mean, he's got to talk to the sure. curator. I mean, he was very, he said, Henry, I, you know, it'd be awesome. But he said, I can't. And I, I appreciate his, his rectitude, you know, um, but I, I'm just starting to kind of begin to have that thought, you know, but it, and not to make it all about that, yeah. uh, to go back to the point about maybe some more artifacts would be a good thing. But um, I, it was well attended, you know, it was really active, busy. It was good to see that. So how was the overall band of brothers symposium? How did the whole going on outside of just the regular, you know, visiting of the museum and touring the museum, how did, how did that, the whole organization, the interview process, did they have meet and greets and Q&As and all that stuff with the uh, the actors? 
obviously, you know, what I do, I don't want to become too critical. Obviously, you know, I would, what I do will be happy for you. Um, honest opinion. Uh, suppose it was fantastic. You know, Chris Langwa, who's Dr. Branson, uh, spoke fantastically about, you know. When uh, did he speak? I missed that. He spoke to you in the, when you had, um, he was with Shane Taylor, you had obviously Gene Garnier with uh, Frank John Hughes. Um, you had Robin Lang with uh, Trish Heffron. Um, so that was the family sort of round table. Okay. <clears throat> um, fantastic. That was a fantastic, that was probably the best talk. Um, I mean, for myself, I've heard a lot of the guys speak quite a lot about their experience and it, it's the same stuff, you know, it doesn't really ever change. Sure. You know, they've got it nailed down. Not that it's a bad thing because, you know, there are people there who haven't heard those stories. So that's probably my own doing for having listened to a lot of our staff. Um, you know, the boot camp with, you know, Freddie Joe, Dale, uh, you know, Stokey, fantastic. Absolutely <coughs> fantastic. Um, you know, Jason Omar, Omira, was the, Omara, sorry, uh, who played on Meehan. It was, it was his first event so that was pretty fantastic you know great to see him there and being invited there, considering he was only there for a short period of time in the show um i'm a guy who goes to conventions i'm not embarrassed to say that you know i'm 40 years old i'm not impressing anyone um you know the autograph sessions at the end were took a lot of time it was poorly done in my opinion um you know you get the t's and c's i think it was like you know two or three weeks before the event and it was like right no posters you know, two items, which is fair enough. No posters, no pieces of memorabilia. Oh, you can have, you can take a see. We didn't go after the last thing. We we got out, went back just to start resting up. We didn't go to the actual signing thing because Leighton had already gotten me a poster, got a bunch of people to sign. So I was good on it. You you I couldn't did, have yeah. a poster? I, no, you couldn't. I was getting mine done in the hotel, which the guys were very happy to do. Um, but for that, there was some guys I couldn't get in the hotel just because I, I couldn't see them or I'd missing them by a few minutes. But it was like, oh, you can get a book signed, which you can buy in our bookstore, but we're going to mark the price up an extra $3. Cheers. Or <laughs> a DVD box set, um, which you can buy from our bookshop, you know, from the you know merchandise store. Uh-huh. Uh, X amount. Well, I'll just bring my own. But it was just like, I don't want that. I want to display something. Yeah. Um, you know, I can't display a box set. Um, so it, it, you know, I think I was in a queue with, um, somebody I met in Normandy in 2019 with his wife, uh, Ryan Muse, <sighs> good two hours, obviously in the, uh, Louisiana heat. Um, so it wasn't even in, in uh, air condition. You had to queue up outside. We had to queue up outside. Wow. Yeah. They obviously moved us all out very poorly done in my opinion. They yeah, should have kept it in agree. the pavilion and just had the guys, you know, outside, you know, in the hallway and just done it row by row. Yeah. They could have sat down, they could have relaxed um and done it that way but no they had people queuing um i think when they realized there was a lot of people and it was taking a lot of time we'll put a water station out there um it took a little while for that to come out um and when you did get in there because the guys had been signing for so long you had i think jeremy said there's like 500 people there yeah. so given take you know 50 people have gone off so you got 450 you know so they're signing and the, the, your items are just flying down the line you got people ahead talking, and it's just it was a bit of a jam, you know. And you're not able to, you know, have a good interaction with the guys 
or girls, you know, um, as your item's getting signed because people are talking and your item's just flying past. Yeah. So a couple of times I had to jump out a line, grab my item and bring it back to where <laughs> I was because I wanted to say hello to people, you know. I, I You know, there's people that, you know, Eric Jensen, you know, who I hooked, you know, who was um, uh, the writer on three episodes and I was able to hook him in with the Barnes family at Albourne last year. I wanted to know how that was coming along, you know, how his um, conversations was coming along with those and, and you know, and, 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 and others as well. Um, and I did get that chance, but some I didn't because my item flew down the line. Yeah. And obviously I'm having to move down the line. Um, so that was probably poor on their part. I could have been a lot better. Um, but overall, the talks were good. They were good. You know, you, um, it was in, you said, you know, when you first said no posters, no artifacts, things like that, as far as the signature goes, my first thought is, well, I wonder if they're trying to prevent people from having all this cool stuff signed just to turn around and sell it on eBay. But then you mentioned, well, you can have books or DVDs available in our gift shop, and then it all kind of fell exactly. fell together. But yeah, and, and there's nothing wrong with trying to sell a book or a DVD, but... And I understand you don't want people walking around with big poster tubes all day, but I mean, if it's something small and it doesn't affect the poor logistics of getting people through, I don't know why it would really matter other than it just seems like they're Absolutely. trying to move some merchandise. People are getting them done in the hotel, though. Yeah. I mean, you had a, oh, but they don't listen to this. A mother, you know, a mother-son combo. Um, <laughs> Rolly Poly. I mean, I don't want to name names. You know, yeah. I'm telling you, well, trouble here. Um, yeah, luckily I don't know their names. Don't but... worry, nobody listens, with the exception of the two people that said hi to Henry at the museum. So <laughs> you're I didn't just use a real name. <laughs> they, they were brutal. I mean, they were the people, you know, you know, and, and that was the thing. I mean, I saw them. They weren't even staying in the hotel. And I remember coming down for breakfast on the Saturday, and they were there outside, you know, the private area where you know the cast and crew were waiting with their items. You know, and when, because obviously they knew that I knew people, because obviously I was speaking to them the day I arrived with Sarah, we were outside chatting with a coffee and obviously they were asking, you know, who we were, what we, you know, and et cetera. And because one of the Band of Brothers actors, Mark Lawrence, came across and was talking to me and we got on very well. Um, you know, she knew that I had a connection and obviously we've chatted about, you know, the We Happy Few project. Um, so... When she saw me, she was always asking me questions. I'm like, I don't know. I'm here. I'm. That was, I'm, the, mother. That was the mother. Yeah. You know, I don't know. I'm. I'm with the unwashed. You know, for this weekend, yeah. I'm not with the guys. The unwashed. Um, so, it was. You know, even on on Saturday, I don't know where, where you were. You know, but they were in the bar. Um. We, you know. Yeah, we were at the table, and they were literally sat around in, in the sort of lobby area. You know, in the little seating area, by the concierge. Um. And they were just waiting. I mean, I walked off to go and wash my hands because I'd, I'd eaten a burger and my hands were greasy as hell. And she just comes up, oh, you know, do you know where you know the guys were? You know, I was like, I don't know. They're having the private food. Well, what time is it finished? I'm like, oh, and they were there waiting. And as soon as they came out, bang, they yes. were there with all the posters. And I thought, you're the reason why now they're not letting us get our posters signed. Mm -hmm. You know, those are the sort of the bad names that you know ruin it for the rest of us and very frustrating. But Again, I suppose that's why the museum were doing it. They probably wanted to make a few extra sales as well because the hotel probably wasn't, you know, priced enough. But no, um, like I say, it was a great experience, but just frustrating we couldn't get, you know, posters signed. Um, and I could see why, because of people like that. Not quite the Henry that people. <laughs> Damn it, Henry. There you go, <laughs> messing up know. for everybody. <laughs> Can't take you combo. anywhere. Speaking um, of... Uh, I just walked outside. <laughs> You know, I didn't even go to that, man. We were, like I said, we went back across to his point, though, talking about how things were queued up. 
after you come out, after you came out of the room, the huge pavilion where the, the symposium was, it's this massive line. And we're, we're like jumping people going around, just trying to get outside to go back to the, to our hotel across the street. Yeah. And some lady, you know, she had a guy in a wheelchair. She could made some snarky comment. I'm like, we're not waiting in this. We're, we're trying to get out of here to go across the street. We're not even going to the signing. Yeah. We have nothing, you know, but they were going outside to get back. Yeah. It was, yeah, it was because we went back over and sat in the bar and then Taco came over there and then Sarah was over there. And Andrea and I, we're, we're just watching people stand in the heat, man. I mean, it was. Could have been done better, in my opinion. <clears throat> um, I'm not used to that sort of heat from where I'm from. So it was quite difficult to be in that heat for such a long time. Um, and I'm sure we could have all looked at that and gone, here we can have done this step. You know, hindsight's a wonderful thing, but they got to take into consideration a lot of other factors as well. And, okay, the museum is open, so they got to deal with that, that as well. But having people stand outside for a couple of hours, you know, and it took them a little while, you know, for me, it seemed like it took them a little while for clicking to go, oh, we need water because this is red hot weather. Very well, short-sighted, in my opinion, could have been different, done differently. What's surprising to me, though, this is the National World War II Museum. Like you said, you go in, like Jeff said earlier, you go in there and they had Tom Hanks pre-record some monologue stuff and they've had other large events. This isn't your local museum ran by your local Veterans Affairs chapter who, you know, got this graciously donated to them as a charity event and they were in over there. You figure a, a place this big who's had experiences, I'm sure, similar type of uh, deals would have, I don't know, I'm just a little surprised that they didn't have a more, a, at least what what I'm gathering, a, a better grasp on the logistics of this whole thing. It's just kind of surprising to me. Well, you, know, you like to think, you know, if they do anything else, you know, they do it again, you know, for the Pacific or Band of Brothers again, say for the 25th or the 30th, you know, they can look at it and go, you know, lessons learned, you know, like yourself, you know, ex-military, you look at something, something goes wrong, why did it go wrong? You know, so they say, what can we do differently to make it run smoother next time? I mean, I, I don't want to look. It's a great facility. Mm -hmm. uh, we love the people there. They've been good to us. It's uh, all, all points being duly taken here. I mean, it, it's a great place to go visit. A lot of fun. Um, that that aspect that was just being mentioned is certainly that that was true. Uh, but I mean, but, they shut the bar at 10 o'clock. I mean, what what is that about? Well, that, that, that's not the museum. That's a new that's I mean, the hotel. In New Orleans? Look, a lot of things 10? have changed. A lot of things have changed. Since I mean, the pandemic? You, the days of pulling up to a hotel and, and having bellhops come out and get your bags and valet your car so you can just walk in and get your room, it's not like that anymore. Then again, we're all old enough to remember you used to be able to check your baggage at the curbs at the airport. <laughs> Those days a long no, time, you're, too. You, you go in. We had to drive. This is now Leighton obviously flew in and took a cab. For us, we drove. This is after five and a half hours on the road. We're coming through. I mean, you know, driving in New Orleans is not like driving in Birmingham. So it's it's raining. There's people everywhere. I don't know the streets. We're trying to navigate to the, to the parking deck. We made two busted passes because the entrance is not easy to see and there were delivery trucks blocking it. Mm -hmm. So we get past, finally come back around and we're like, that's it. We got to go left in there. Not an easy turn. We get up to the third level of the parking deck. You get out and we're, we're schlepping our, this is me, Jack and Andrea. Okay. Hauling all our bags down three floors in the parking deck to where to get in. And everybody's carrying their own bags. There are sure. no, you know, like I said, man, it's it's not like it. 
this is not the World War II Museum. This is traveling in yeah. general. I think things have changed a lot. I think COVID and staffing, it's that has that's my point here. This is not throwing rocks at a facility. It's my point that COVID has changed a lot of things. You know, it's very and what you said about staffing, um, we often forget about the great resignation of 2021, 2022. I went to side note, Carrie had physical therapy tonight. We I dropped her off when the gym came back, have a podcast, don't have time to make dinner, stopped at Arby's. Sign on the drive through sign. We're yeah. closing at eight tonight due to lack of staff. So <laughs> definitely right. staffing is a big issue. People, you know, especially younger cats, they're all they're wanting they expect more than what places are willing to pay, and so no one wants to work. Yeah. Jeff, beautiful you, museum. I mean beautiful sorry, beautiful hotel. Sure. But my my wife, Andrea, knows she's like, I mean, this place is world class, but I mean that it's like there could be more people working there, yeah. you know, and that, that's not the museum's fault. It's just the way it is now. Managed, I think it's managed by, um, it's Hilton. Hilton. Yeah. It is Hilton. So things yeah. like, you know, like I said, waiting for a drink, you know, well, first of all, the bar shut was at 10 o'clock. That's crazy for no one. Saturday night. I mean, my God, like even with a major event. There. Yeah. yeah, exactly. You know, that was very disappointing. <clears throat> um, but you order a drink. And you wait in half an hour. And it's yeah. not an overly busy place. Yeah. Um, you know, and it was just that was crazy for me. You know, I've always thought you guys, you know, hospitality is, is your game. Um, <laughs> you know, in America. But yep. I mean, again, you know, whether that's yeah, it's managed by the Hilton, whether that's Hilton's responsibility in, in getting the staff in all the stuff to the museum, I don't know. Um, but that was pretty poor. But like I said, it's a world class. <laughs> gorgeous hotel beautiful hotel really was you know everything about you know the food was gorgeous you know yeah but it's just like I says things took time um like i says a minus point on the weekend but it didn't disrupt and did it because we were talking oh we yeah were, we, it was a blast was i mean we incredible me even even jeremy we ordered a beer and mm. he's like dang man is it taking this long to get a beer over here yeah. you know so i get up and go check on it i mean yeah even with that you know so. a museum employee telling us the bar is closed yet they're in there having a and I thought, whoa, you, you know, you, you're across the road, sweetheart. You know, I didn't say that. <laughs> but I was like, <laughs> you know, you? you know, the, you know, just, just, you know, being a little bit, you know, overprotective of the cast, but we've been socializing them for the evenings before, you know, I thought I was a bit bizarre. Um, that's my own personal take on that. But outstanding, you know, other than that, you know, outstanding weekend. It was a fantastic event. Outstanding facilities. The museum was incredible. And like Jeff said, you know, probably a little bit more artifacts, um, would be nice, but it doesn't take away anything from the museum and what they do because it is pretty phenomenal. Jeff, you got any uh, questions or comments? Uh, deeply regret that I couldn't be there. Me too. I, <laughs> I'd love to be complaining about it taking too long to get a beer, <laughs> hanging out with you guys. <laughs> I know Jeff and I were talking before the show, and we we kind of joked about it when you guys came on before we went live. It's like, Jeff, um. Like we're the only ones out of like all the entire World War II podcast community that didn't go to this thing. I'm there, <laughs> it's like we That's totally funny. dropped the ball. You don't know about it. Hey, this is the first thing I've done in like forever. So, I know, but I mean, like going to going to a museum is what I mean. But respect to Henry, you know, we've had you, you plugged it a few times, and and I'm seeing social media like, hey, there's Freddie, there's Sarah, there's Layton, there's Henry. I'm like. Okay, there's everybody. There's Taco. It's like, yeah, me and Jeff are like, okay, we're just uh, here in Florida, Scott Texas. Gibson, uh, was a little bit disappointed not to be there as well. Um, he hasn't told me that, but you know, he obviously sent me a couple of DMs, and 
I love Travis Scott have been there, and I think obviously you know personal circumstances probably dictated that a little bit for him. But you know, I think he's another one. So you're not alone. I well, think you know, you know, and being grateful about everyone there. You know, all the friends that we've made. Maybe next online, week, no. Jeff and I you know, will. Re- maybe next History week. Chicks. Sorry, Joe. No, I was going to say maybe next week, Jeff and I and Scott will get together and we'll do a podcast called We Lonely Three. <laughs> hey, uh, well, I mean, the thing, he he may come back for the thing for the International Conference in November. Can you guys get over I, to New Orleans for that? Jeff, you and I, we need to get, the three of us need to get together and figure something out. Um, you know, it's not that far of a drive from here, from Florida. I'm, I'm not sure how far of a drive it is from where you're at and Obviously, you got a busy schedule for friends and family, but I definitely want to try to make it happen. Now that I actually have a career that that pays my vacation days, I definitely want to make it yeah. happen. So we'll just keep to, it in mind. I mean, no, I, I definitely want to. Cool if we if we could hook up, you know. And well, that's what I was I was joking earlier today. I was like, you know, <laughs> I said, how absurd is it that Leighton made it across the pond to visit Henry in person before Jeff and Jeff and I made it to meet Henry in person? And we've been on this podcast together for what a year and a half now, and we've yet to meet meet up in person. About a year, coming up yeah. on a year. Timeline's so crazy since twenty uh, since the pandemic. Speaking of can't take anywhere, uh, what is it like to be in public in person with uh, Mr. Freddie Farnsworth? Is he amazing? <laughs> Even better. He's a teddy bear. So funny. Really? He wasn't loud and boisterous. Yeah. You didn't find yourself kind of. I like the way you, I like the way you segued that. Now speaking of not being able to take anywhere, or go out in public. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I just picture him at that bar, just with an open bottle of, you know, maker's mark. Uh, yeah. Actually, no, uh, larceny. I, I knew Freddie and I were going to get along, uh, one day before going on the air. He saw me, uh, I'm out of it, but I usually take a hit off my larceny bottle, and most people have no idea what it was. And him just seeing, he's like, "Oh, if I knew it was going to be a larceny type of night, it's like, oh, me and this guy are going to get along just fine." But yeah, I could just, I don't know, I just picture the the loud, boisterous, rambunctious Freddie just, he's you great. know, holding court. I mean, the, the actors loved him. You know, they were pulling him left, right, and center. And you know, I was really lucky to have breakfast with him twice, and and, and taco. He was. He holds court. That's his personality. He, he was, yeah. He, he's that kind of guy. I mean, um, when was it? You know, we, you know, fr- when did I arrive? Thursday night. You know, and Lance um, was there with, the, with this eight lady. You know, I was there. You know, with Sarah and, and, yeah. and Freddie, and um, I think Ryan and his wife turned. You know, turned up later on, and he was holding court. He was brilliant. You know, he's you know he, he's got a lot more stories, and he's just as great in person as he is through the computer screen. He really is. He really is. He's brilliant. Such a nice guy as well. He's he was, yeah, he was really yeah. You know, I'm trying to think what what's something you have to provide for Leighton to get the full American experience before he goes home. And I figure you gotta take him to one of three places and I'll I'll let you decide which one, Henry. Either they okay. take him to Walmart, a super target, or a bass pro shop, one of those three stores to give him the full American experience. Well, if I take him to a Walmart <laughs> He oh can God. really he oh. can he can view the beauty and the dichotomy of the American experience because you you'll we'll, see a man we'll in a dress. A NASCAR <laughs> yeah, you get a NASCAR t shirt, you'll see a dude in a dress, and you'll uh maybe put your wallet yeah. in your front park <laughs> pocket as you're walking through the parking lot. That is a cultural experience <laughs> that, that he needs. And I've got a baby Ruth in my travel bag, if that counts. No, that that chewing gum is it. 
with baseball on the front, you know, the, the cartoon baseball character as well on the front. Does that count? No, I don't, I don't, that won't get you there. We need to do better than that. I'm trying. Can you guys hear me? Because either my headphone. Oh, okay. It was my yeah, headphones. We hear you fine. I thought my All microphone right. went on. I just switched like from uh, pot one to pot four, but it turned out it was my oh, you're headphones. Good. You're good. We're headphones probably not coming in that good because I don't have my <laughs> headphones. I started using my AirPods. I figured out how to match them up to this laptop. So next, our next show, I'll use my AirPods. That when I was on Woody's show last week, that worked really good. I thought I liked it way better than the goofy headphones. Jeff, I feel remiss. You know, you were saying earlier that you, you haven't been around for a while. Is there anything we need to get caught up on? I know you've been super busy and um, and been active. Anything we need to get caught up on in your world over there? Uh, well, yeah, I, I accepted a, a position teaching this year on some content that I haven't covered before uh, with the stipulation that I'm, I'm, I started this past Saturday going through uh, the teacher certification process through uh, TEA, Texas Education Agency. And um, it, it's a 300-hour wow. course uh, in in 10 months. So I actually had to put my bachelor's on hold to get the certification by May. Uh, so it's, uh, it's about four days a week right now for the next three weeks. And then after that, it's, you know, it's, it's going to be worth it. I can't wait. But it's a lot, especially since my my students come in the classroom Wednesday. That's our first day. Ours are so, already back. And by the way, the training never stops. As you know, Carrie has been a fourth grade teacher for eight years, and she just moved to second grade. Lovely time to blow out her leg. But uh, our school started last week. And over the weekend, she's like, oh, I got these training videos I got to watch. I think it's like 40 minutes. Turns out she has five separate modules. Each module has 40 minutes worth of content. So this oh. weekend, she's like... There's so much training to do, <laughs> and so oh, it it so never awesome. ends. It never ends. So prepare <laughs> prepare yourself for that. But you're going for high school, right? Yeah, yeah, secondary. So it'll be a it'll be a certification in trades and industries. So I'll be able to cover you know quite a bit. Um, I'm actually this year I'm teaching five sections of principalities or principalities principles of hospitality and tourism. And uh, like what Leighton said, hospitality is kind of kind of our thing here in America. And, um, you know, it's kind of an interesting, um, it's an interesting class to be teaching. There's a lot of history in it. So I'm going to enjoy that kind of, kind of make it, you know, my own, but it's important. People need these kind of skill sets of, of customer service and working with people, working for people. Uh, so that's, you know, that's some of the stuff I'll be covering. So because of some of my prior experience, that's going to help, uh, you know, with this, with this process, but it's, yeah, it's a lot, but we do it. Speaking of hospitality, I saw a TikTok this weekend, and it was a, a gentleman from a, another country, not America, and he was talking about the five things that annoyed him about America. And one of the things was our over-inundation of advertising, and um, and that have you has that stood out to you at all? Do you, do we seem like we're just overwhelmed with advertising and billboards and just overall marketing here compared to what you see back home? Um. I've noticed that you know on on the moat what do you call it? the motorway the motorway what's for that? Oh, the highway that's yeah. the interstate, interstate man the, the old interstate, interstate. <laughs> um, I noticed there's a lot of you know service stops you know oh there's a KFC there's a subway there's a you know um, a Sonic you know which you know uh, Henry Sun ordered a Coke and chocolate which I thought was absolutely <laughs> incredible um, 
I know it's like I said, there's a lot of service stops like that. And you do get that with the UK, but they're really spaced out with the service station. They're like 20 miles between between each stop. I mean, unless you pull off and you're going into town and obviously you go to a service station, you know, a, a petrol station there, you know, when you fill up, you know, you grab a Coke or something. But if you want to like, you know, a McDonald's or a KFC or a, a pizza hut, you know, you go to the they are 20 miles apart. Um, but here I noticed that they were really close Every together. Every four miles. It was quite continuous. <laughs> yeah. um, I've noticed, you know, in terms of advertisement, there's a lot of Auburn and Alabama fans. You know, people are really representing it in their college team over here. Mm-hmm. Um, lots of billboards. You know. That's all there is around here, man. Now um, he's like, now I know why Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube have so much damn advertising for all American-based uh, companies. I didn't really pick up on anything. I mean, I you know, we went to uh, Montevallo, which is... I thought that, you know, the town, downtown was... Yeah, I took him down to where I... Took, it was actually kind of it was weird for me. Um, took him to the house I grew up in, you know, where, where my dad wrote with the old breed because wow. my mom sold that house uh, five years ago. So I contacted the people who bought it. I had not been down there since. And so we went and, <clears throat> you know, I kind of walked through the house for the first time in a long time. That was, that was weird, but... But yeah, we went around Montevallo and, and saw a lot of things, and uh, so yeah. It would have to be weird to see your house with someone else's stuff in it. BB Sledge, yeah, you know, he was a wait, wait, hold on, do what? Don, I said it has it has to be weird to to walk in your house you grew up in with someone else's crap in it. Yeah, well, it's. I mean, as you guys know, Jeff, you've been out of pocket for a couple of weeks. Cause I know you've been busy, but like my mom had a tough stint in the hospital. You know, Don, we've talked about it. Yep. She's in a rehab facility now. And I went and saw her this morning and she's doing she's doing better, but that that scale of what's better at ninety-five, as we all it's know, relative. is just different. And so, you know, I didn't I had me she wanted me to take Leighton down. She knows who Leighton is, she knows who you guys are. She wanted me to take Leighton down there. Um I had mixed feelings about it and I knew if she was having a bad day and I was going to sit there and look at her and just all that stuff starts going through your mind of what is going to happen one day. We all know. Yeah. I didn't want to do that, but she was having a pretty good day, you know, relatively speaking. And so we went down there, but it, it is, yeah, man, it's, it's a little weird. It was, uh, you know, those man, those memories just come flooding back. It was, it was kind of weird. Not bad. It was good, but yeah. You know, well, it's just, I don't know. And we've all, we all going through it as we get older. I often say the older I get, the younger old gets. Um, but yeah, you know, when you start dealing with stuff like that, it kind of makes you think about your own mortality a little bit. Yeah. And, uh, but yeah, it's, it's cool though that she re- really gung ho on wanting you to take Leighton down there. And, and at least you have the idea of thinking, well, you know, mom wants me to do this and so I'm going to do it. I'm, least make her happy she's sitting there thinking about the fact that i'm doing this and might yeah. kick some memories up in her head and bring a smile to her face so why not right oh yeah sure so absolutely what's that it really is it's, it's a beautiful house it really is um and to see you know this 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 house yeah um you know i i, I read with the old breed and after the pacific came out and obviously i've seen pictures of it since you know so to see this a house of of someone, you know, you, or I've only seen in pictures who I've read about, um, who I've seen portrayed on screen, you know, numerous times since, you know, with Joe Mazzala on Pacific. And 
you know, to be there where he wrote that. Yeah. Pretty phenomenal. Um, and to be there with his, his son, you know, pretty phenomenal. To hear, you know, Henry on the phone to, to his mother yesterday, last night, you know, and I, you know, he, you know, you're talking about me, you know, and what you're doing, blah, blah, blah. And it's just like, well, this it just seemed surreal that I am here in Alabama, you know, can't, you know, imagine many Brits come here to see people, you know, we, we don't, we go to New York, we go to California, you know, we don't come to Alabama, you know, for a vacation. Um, not because... Most people don't. But no, we go to, you know, we go to the pop, you know, not the popular wrong, we go to New York. That's what sure. We do. Yeah. We go to, you know, Watch out. Next thing you know, he'll be dragging Vegas. you to Mississippi. <laughs> you know, and I'm sat here next to in Alabama. I'll make sure we got off at some good exits. And I'm sorry. Oh, no, well, um, I was thinking, you know, going to, you know, going there getting away from the new yorks the la's the chicago's the bigger cities you're actually getting a truer picture of what america is absolutely you yeah, know that's a good point i've often said Next the problem point. with our media is is they're based out of la chicago new york and they all have tunnel vision they all assume that the entire country is like la chicago new york and so yeah. when they're talking about exactly their right. opinions and their ideologies they're they're having these big city thoughts and big city ideologies but most of the country is like where Jeff lives, where I live, where Henry lives, the quote-unquote flyover states. But those flyover states are the real America, whereas the big cities are – they're ironically the minority because that's – most of us don't live on top of each other. Most of – big yawn, Bailey. Most of us don't have the ability to walk a mile or two to get to work. Mm-hmm. So you're actually getting the experience. You know, it's funny. This is Bailey, my Boston Terrier. And the first time we had Henry on, I would read his dad's book, China Marine. And in there, he's talking about how when he came home from the war, he, he got to come home to his mom in the Boston Terrier. And I was talking to Henry about that. And just last week, I sent him a text. I just happened to be Googling uh, yeah. Eugene Sledge. And I found a picture of Eugene, his mom, and their Boston Terrier. So I was like, look what I found, Henry. I found a picture of your, your dad's dog. And I was stoked being a Boston Terrier fan. But it was kind of funny how that just kind of landed in my lap. Because when I brought it up to Henry, I think the first time around here, you really... You weren't quite sure, or you didn't seem to, you know, must not have really came up in topic much. But I just thought it was cool that that photo landed in my lap. I was like, oh, sweet! I found the picture of his Boston <laughs> because Bailey's just such a big part of our show. But um, she is, man. I love the way the dogs. I need to get Lulu down here. Well, she actually lays in the bed in here the entire time we're doing our show, and just at, right around this time. Yeah, every, I get Lulu down every here. time. She just kind of chirps up and says, "Hey, pick me up, fool." <laughs> But um, hey, real quick, Jeff, what project are you working on? You sent us a sweet up close photo of the uh, cockpit seat you're painting, right? You're working on another model. Oh, yeah, yeah. I was showing that off to Leighton. This is the first. Uh, this is the first. I'm doing a, a Mark V Spitfire and 148 scale, which is the scale I, I stick to. And this is the first time I've done uh, any any kind of uh, aircraft from from the RAF, and I just I wanted to change it up a little bit. I, I'm I'm working on a very large display of kind of a dedication to to the air war. You know, not necessarily the mighty eighth, but of course that's kind of the heart of it. Um, but a lot of people don't realize how much uh, those Spitfire squadrons were escorting our B-17, especially early on in the war. And I think we've covered that in, in one of our Memphis Bell episodes. You know, it was kind of absurd to see a P-51D <laughs> flying yeah. alongside the Memphis Bell, you know, in, in spring of 1943. It just, it just didn't happen. So, um, you know, I've, I've done the 17. I've done the P-47. 
And uh, I thought, you know, and everybody's done a P51 and I, and I have one, I'll eventually do it, but uh, it was a great kit and it comes with a lot of goodies for, for a uh, kind of a ground display. So uh, yeah, that's as far as I've gotten. Basically uh, that, that cockpit could sit on the tip of my thumb. Uh, and, and that's as far as I've gotten in the last couple of What weeks. scale is it, Jeff? 48. Okay. Who, what, who built the, well, whose kit is it? Uh, it's Neo a Tamiya. Or? Yeah, it's okay. a Tamiya, and it was kind of a, it's kind of a neat kit because they added in another sheet of decals with color, um, paint scheme, you know, like a like a glossy uh, yeah. photograph, and then there's an extra sprue of like seven RAF pilots in different poses. Mm -hmm. There's a wave, there's a dog, you know, there's a ladder, there's all all kinds of you know stuff to to kind of litter a, you know a. Uh, a, a scene you know at yeah. a runway somewhere so and that was my that's my goal anyway so uh, yeah the price was right and i picked it up well i, I appreciate know. the fact that you didn't just say okay i'm gonna paint the seat brown or paint the post green you I'm, I'm zooming in on my camera i mean on my phone and you can see where on the hydraulics you painted certain parts of it silver and, and it's just you did a really good job on just the minor details it doesn't just look like okay i'm gonna slap some green on here it looks like there's some dirt stains and some you know, everything else, you just did a really good job on, on something that small and that minor. I can only imagine what the rest of this project's going to turn out to be like. I'm just, yeah. That's uh, what I do. It's, it's, <laughs> man, I'm, I'm wanted my little trying to get the garage fixed up where I could get my model bench. That's just kind of stalled out. I mean, I, I want to get back to that so bad. Yeah, I mean, we well, all, we all kind of we. I'm looking around my podcast here, and it's still a mess. You know, we all get you know started on stuff, and then just life gets in the way. But you know, that's just the way it goes sometimes. Yeah, and, and I'll be honest, and I've got a, we we built a real nice garage here. I'm pretty sure you guys have seen pictures, and I've got a 12 foot long you know workbench out there with two nice bar stools. And the idea was for for me and my son to hang out there and, and build model airplanes. But honestly, uh, I end up sitting right here in my office, you know, uh, just put something down on the desk or I'll work on my roll top here. Uh, and yeah, you know, cause it's, it's usually late at night or when the baby's taking a nap or, and I'm caught up on schoolwork or something, you know, so to go all the way down in the garage and everything, like, nah, I just, yeah, I just do it right here with, with all of my motivation, uh, everything in I here is, World War II, so. And, well, and we all live in, in pretty hot and humid environments. So I think you guys are probably like me, where most of the man cave garage-based activities get done in the wintertime around midnight because <laughs> you're not out there sweltering in the heat just dying. Like, yeah. oh, this is horrible. Well, uh, and you guys know I'm restoring my 42 GPW, too, which is in the garage, and there's times where you suck in all sorts of levels. All sorts of levels you suck. You got a nice GPW, you got a kick-ass car. Uh, but, yeah. Have you have you and your son watched any more movies on the projector from the uh, not quite so comfortable front seats of the GPW? <laughs> uh, I can't remember the last one we we talked about. I'm pretty sure we did. I watched Tuskegee Airmen. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think the last one I talked about was was uh, oh gosh, what the heck was it? Uh, I don't I don't recall now, but uh, yeah, there's been one or two, but. Yeah, it's it's pretty hot with with school ramping up and everything kind of you know falling back in. That's it, it, been that's been tough, but I'm still reading. 
I still keep up on my reading, that's for sure. Well, speaking of reading, it's about that time of the episode, so we'll start off with Jeff. Jeff, what you reading? So, yeah, I, I just finished one, and I'm about halfway through the next one. So the one I recently finished, and, I, and I've been calling this the wrong title. I've been saying <laughs> Carlson's Raiders, but it's it's Carlson's Raid, okay. uh, the, the Daring Marine Assault on Making by George W. Smith. I want to say this was published around two, uh, early 2000s, somewhere in there, 20 on one, maybe something like that. Um, I've never read anything about the second Raider battalion. I've read, uh, you know, Edson's Raiders. Um, but I was interested to kind of see, uh, I, I just picked that. I actually picked this book up for five bucks with a whole bunch of other books when I was up in New Jersey at, at the Millville, uh, Millville army airfield. Millville. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it was a P 47 base. And so, uh, this was interesting. Uh, D- yeah, there's a lot of questions still unanswered identities that still need to be confirmed. Uh, was the entire raid a, an epic failure? Probably because it was strictly done by the Marine Corps and the army wasn't involved in any way. Um, so it's interesting. <laughs> well, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. There is a clear difference in leadership styles between those two raider leaders, right? Oh, and I see, and I didn't realize that. And, and it goes into a lot of detail about mm-hmm. Edson's Raiders on the East Coast and Carlson's on the West Coast. And boy, there was just a personality conflict between Carlson and Edson that was never going to get resolved. Um, and that, you know, it, that's just how it is. There's always uh, some kind of rivalry, inner service, and then, you know, even smaller and smaller. And sometimes you have different platoons at each other's neck, you know, so there's always some kind of a rivalry. And I did not know how big of a rivalry there was. I didn't realize FDR's son was Carlson's XO for mm-hmm. this raid. Um and I did not realize how poorly Carlson was treated uh, after the raid. It, it, it was it was interesting because I felt that way uh, a few times in my life where you think you've done something so great. Sometimes you get too much publicity and everybody starts hating it and then it gets shut down. And you, you sit back on what the heck did I do? Wrong? <laughs> you know, so that that was interesting to me. What I find uh, interesting about those groups too, whether it's the Raiders or uh, the Marauders, that they, they were kind of the special forces back then were kind of left up their own devices. They they're like, okay, here's a group of guys. You're the leader. Do it your way. You guys are special forces. Figure it out. Do it your own way. And that's where the different leadership and different ways of doing things came in. Yeah, absolutely. They were they were definitely between those first two Raider battalions. It was certainly two different leadership styles completely. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, they interviewed uh, a lot of they had a lot of dialogue from the guys that served with Carlson and, and that were actually on the raid uh, stuff that was pulled from like the 90s. And none of them really had anything bad to say about Carlson. You know, uh, there there were some things where they, they questioned, uh, man, I, I don't know why he didn't do this or I, I don't know why he stalled instead of taking, you know, the, the initiative there. But uh, other than that, the guy was still a brilliant leader and he just kind of got kicked to the curb and and. You know, he, he, he never led men again in combat. Wow. And, it, and it's sad. And, and Although Edson's the one that committed suicide. I thought that was the irony of the yeah, whole thing. <laughs> I, mm. I, I was so, so that was a great read. And then I've heard of this book. It, I, I see it a lot of times in the notes section of a lot of the books that I read uh, on the 8th Air Force and B-17s. So I thought, okay, I, I got to find this book. And you don't necessarily judge it by the cover because that's – that is a 
a newer photograph of these guys. You know, this is not an, a colorized photo. This is a posed modern photo. Uh, as far at least I think it, it sure looks like. It. Um, but th- this is a this is a weekend read. This is a very very thin. Oh book. yeah. Um, but like I said, it keeps showing up in so many other, you know, as as a reference that I just I, I just had to have it. And there's a little bit of a spoiler alert, but if you read the back first, like I did, um, not only is this considered a masterpiece memoir uh, from World War II, um, but the guy's killed in action wow. in October of 1944. Uh, he, he was a co-pilot, 35 missions with a B-17, finally got into a P-51 and was shot down during an escort mission wow. uh, in the P-51. And he was just barely turned 24 years old. And I, but I have to tell you, the way this guy writes, to it, it's eerie. No, knowing that he doesn't come back, and sorry, but it's on the back. You know, it's not that yeah. much of a spoiler. It's eerie to read from the very first page because, you know, that's kind of in the back of your mind that the things that he's talking about that he's going to do after the war and. The, seeing these guys getting snuffed out in, in sometimes very violent and very descriptive ways, you know, it's the other guy. It's not him. You know, his luck's going to hold. Yeah. So it's, the, but the detail of the room that he lived in, what was on each shelf, how many pairs of socks, where they hung their bath towel and wash rag. Um, it's incredible. It, it's just, it, it, this book, the way this guy could write to me is the equivalent of, if Ernest Hemingway would have been killed driving in the ambulance in World War One, is that why like, the book? That's how much got lost when this guy went down. Is that why the book's so thin? Because it's lifted from his own letters and diaries, and not full. Yeah, of fluff? this is his journal that, and his mom, I guess, uh, spent a lot of time uh, and a lot of effort to get it published. It was actually first published in England in 1947. wasn't published in America until 1952. Wow! But I mean. This is when it comes to memoirs, and, and we've got some mixed company here that, that have they know they've among those that have written the best. But man, this is unlike anything I've ever read from the Second World War. The last thing I wanted to add was I'm curious. I'm curious from our listeners. Are, you know, we're all dorks here. Okay. <laughs> I'm a nerd. I'm nerds. not a dork. <laughs> so, yeah. So, I'm curious if you guys do the same thing that I do. So, when I'm reading a book about the Raider Battalion, naturally I have to have my original Raider patch mm-hmm. that, a, that a, a Raider gave me as my bookmark. Uh, or if I'm reading something like this, you know, what's going to come out of here. Now my good bullion patch is sewed on my uniform, but I got to have a mighty eighth uh, bookmark. So I, I'm curious. I was thinking about that before the show. What, 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 you know, we've got some very voracious readers uh, that are, that are followers of our show and not, you know, the hosts aside. I wish I was that and, classy. Uh, you know, I'm just curious. Do you guys use uh, something that was signed by a veteran that was at that battle, or do you, you, or, you know, do you use a patch? Or no, do you, am I just weird? Uh, <laughs> Y'all help me out. I'm what t- is it? Uh, mail call at WTSP. Yeah, email us at mail call at WTSP World War Two dot com. I wish I was that classy. I'm more white trash. I use business cards, uh, chunks <laughs> of toilet paper, <laughs> anything really, because. What tends to ha- I do have one actual Don, Don uses his welfare receipt. <laughs> well, well, back in the day, I would have used the food stamp, but now they come on debit cards, so that's out. But, um, but you know, I do have a legit bookmark. But like right now, I transitioned because we were talking last week. Someone posted pictures of the um, the brig 
issued P-41s from the Pacific. And someone's like, I don't recall ever seeing photos of the black dot. And so I said, well, it was in Robert, you know, it was in Leckie's helmet for my pillow. And I pulled the passage out. And when I was quickly pulling, looking through that book, I, I was reading through and I was like, oh, I forgot how of a fantastic writer he was. So I actually put down that, that modern day book I was reading and I started reading the helmet for my pillow again for the fifth time. And so I'm back on that, but no, I, and sadly I don't have elegant bookmarks. I just grab whatever's nearest by so I can at least pick up where I left off. What about you, Henry? What's your preferable preferably when it comes to marking your books? My, the bookmark I use is a little piece of a note card that when I pulled out my old edition of Strongman Arm that my dad had read, mm -hmm. he had scribbled a note on there, oh. page 459. Only I think it's upstairs. I have to go get it, but he just scribbled on there. You can barely see it. Only example of a bonsai charge in this chapter. And I just happened to find it. I'm like, okay, that'll be my bookmark. That's it. You guys listen at home. Put your keyboards down. There's no beating that. No reason to send off those emails. But if, no, you, not, if, you, if you want to send the emails, go ahead and send them to info, a mail call at WTSPWorldWar2.com. Leighton, what do you use for bookmarks? Um, sometimes I'll use the, uh, the dust cover if I'm really early in. Um, or I'll use a business card. I'll use, um, if I've had it for Christmas, it'll be a bit of Christmas wrapping paper. Um or if I've had, you know, a chocolate bar that, you know, has come in a cardboard packaging, you know, it'll be a piece of that ripped off as well. Um, not as classy as Jeff's. I think that's brilliant, by the way. I think it's, I think that's freaking outstanding. I just, you um, said, you said, you, you said cardboard from a candy bar. I'm going to like go online and order me a reproduction K ration box just so I can use that. That'll be cool. But uh, what are you reading, Henry? Well, I'm, I started a reread on Helmet for My Pillow last week, um, but I wanted to prop this book that I finished right before that, this little book called Combat Aerial Escapades by J. Hunter Reinberg. Short little book, 165 pages, but it's just got – Jeff, you'd love, you've probably read it, Jeff. It's got some great description. He was, flew F4Fs in the Solomons and then later flew Corsairs off Pillow, VMF-122, but – he just goes into, he had several kills. Jay Hunter Reinberg was his name. And just his description of, you know, took a bullet damage, had to lean his mixture out. He, he gets into the, his cockpit maneuvers, how he handled things. It's just a great book. I mean, I was like 165 pages. It could have been 365, and I would have wanted more. What about you, Leighton? What are you reading lately? Um, <clears throat> I'm reading a book on the 95th bomb group. Um, it's got a few uh, post-it notes in it. Um, I'm look. I'm, I don't know if people know, but I'm behind the page. <coughs> History people. That, um, that it's an idea. You know, um, I want to write a blog, and I decided to. You know, seen a book on eBay. I, I sent a picture to Jeff a few weeks ago. It's like the operational logbook of each aircraft and what what missions they've flown and what crews perished with those aircrafts. Um, <clears throat> I randomly picked out um, an aircraft called, let me just get it, um, you know, Roger the Lodger. Um, and so I'm now reading this to pick up on any references with the missions that they've flown uh, and anything, any other detail on them. So I'm reading this, 
Courage, Honor, and Victory. Um, uh, Ian Haw- by Ian Hawkins. So I'm using the dust cover at the moment. I just lost my page. Um, yeah, obviously that's an outstanding <laughs> card back cover. Yeah, so this is what I'm reading at the moment. For the love of Pete Henry, get the man some toilet paper. He just lost his page. <laughs> This is a good topic. Um, I, I kind of brought it in the past. Um, with the exception of Amazon or eBay, where do you guys tend to find your World War II books? I oftentimes find them like I'm just walking through the lines of like a Bell's Outlet or a, just a random general store who has discounted books. And oftentimes you'll find a World War II themed book there. And I've, I've grabbed a few of them marked down like five to eight bucks every once in a while. What's your favorite place to find a book other than eBay or Amazon, Jeff? Uh, honestly, I typically try to not pay for a book because I've had so many given to me. Um, prime example today, uh, right before I meet the teacher, one of the history uh, teachers uh, who I you know, pal around with quite a bit, he handed me uh, a book called The Last Hero, uh, Wild Bill, uh, Wild Bill Donovan, I think is the guy's name. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, Beyond Glory by Larry Smith and uh, a big book that has nothing but posters of uh glasnost and perestroika <laughs> big russian posters in there so nice. I- i'm constantly handed books all the time but um you know if there's a specific one i'm like serenade of the to the big bird i don't know if i mentioned that's the name of the, the memoir mm-hmm. serenade to the big bird burt styles is the pilot um so i i had to find that exact one you know that specific one i wanted to read it so yeah i had to do the whole amazon thing but i mean guys i've got <laughs> Uh, what you see behind me isn't even close to the amount of books I have just on the second world war. Uh, so to, for me to spend 20, 30 book, uh, $30 on a book is retarded for me right now <laughs> with the amount that I still haven't read and the amount that just keep, I keep accruing mm-hmm. Just people, you know, they know when you, they, when they, when they know you're a collector and you appreciate it, boy, you do them a favor is usually what happens. I do a lot of people favors yeah. by taking their books. So, what about you, Henry? Where do you oftentimes find a, a book that maybe you weren't expecting to find? Well, I mean, it, it's going to be, I, I do get most of my stuff off Amazon, to be yeah. honest with you. Uh, Cause I'll think of a book or like I, it, I write stuff down, book ideas that we talk about that um, come to my mind or whatever. But like, like we've kind of all said, I mean, I've, I've accumulated since I got back into all this a year ago, I've, I've ordered so many books and I can't buy any more right now because, you know, I just, I've got to read what I got. Yeah. So, but, I, but, but Amazon, yeah, I do get them, um, off Amazon, I guess. That's. And Leighton, yeah. how about you friend? Um, Abe books website, a books. It's, um, secondhand books. It's like, not necessarily like eBay, but it's, if you're looking for a book, you just put it in the search bar and, Obviously, it'll, you know, it'll bring up uh, all the books, you know, various editions, um, hard copy, for, you know, uh, you know, hardback, soft cover, autographed, first edition, um, and obviously various prices. And funnily enough, A Books is where I picked up China Marine, and it was advertised as signed by the author. Obviously, I hadn't, I didn't know that Henry's father had died when that book was published, but I thought, oh, my God, that's amazing. Um <laughs> Picked up the, I bought the book. It'd been, it got shipped from Mobile, Alabama, and it was signed by his brother John. Nice. Um, which prompted me, you know, I thought, right, we, you know, with we happy few, we're working on a Pacific, um, 
event and that started this because I called John at his office in, in Mobile who passed my details on to Henry um, and lo and behold, here I am now. So A-Box, yeah, it's, it's other than that amazing little bit, bit of thing, um, I've got some absolute crackers off there. Uh, yeah, A-Box. That's all so I can so they, they do England, Europe, United States. Because I've yeah. heard of, I've heard yeah. of A-Box. I have to check that it's, out. It's a secondhand bookshop, online bookshop. Well, we're just about going to wrap it up. But as we always do, let's go down the list. Jeff, do you get anything you want to plug it up there? Any projects coming up? Anything going on? Uh, yeah, I'm still, uh, you know, I'm still working on the, the Pathfinder project and Eureka Beacons. But also, uh, if any of our listeners have any details on any way I can talk to or get a hold of uh, dog handlers, but really preferably if there's any left, from World War II. Uh, I'm working with a guy who's got an incredible project. I don't know how much I can I can talk about it because the guy's kind of a big, he's real big on, on, on Instagram. He, he's a, a former Special Forces soldier who was a dog handler and uh, reached out to me to help him. I, I just sent him a flash drive with a whole, everything, all of my dog research. I've got, you know, six, over six minutes of color footage uh, when the Army landed on Guam you know, combat footage, you know, no audio or anything, but, and, and, you know, Marine Corps publications done after the war uh, on the recapture of Guam and how the the war dogs were important. So I'm helping what I can, but if any of our listeners know any other World War II dog handlers, because they're trying to do a documentary with this. So uh, if anybody has any leads, we've got a couple nom. Uh, I think he just found one from Korea, but if, if, big if there's Mm -hmm. any, World War II canine or dog handlers left that would be willing to be uh, uh, interviewed or help this project immensely. Or if your grand grandfather, great grandfather did that and has diaries, letters home, anything like that, anything would help reach out to Jeff through his social media. You can email us at mail call at WTSP world war com. You can reach out to us on our Facebook, Instagram, but yeah, I mean, even if they're not alive, if, if you know, you may have letters that your grandfather wrote home, you know, Anything that might help on this topic, please send them our way. What about you, uh, Henry? Getting uh, you want to plug or get out there? Hey, last week was really busy, you know, culminating and going over to New Orleans. Uh, so uh, I did that. My show with Woody, uh, World War II TV on VMF one fourteen in Pel- or on Peleliu with Damon Stout. That was that was fun. I felt like that was well received. So. Uh, that's the only thing I'll mention right now. And of course, our guest, Mr. Hughes. We know you got a couple of things to plug. So uh, why don't you go ahead and uh, get those addresses out there and plug your podcast, please? Uh, so, speaking of pod- podcast, um, there's going to be a few changes, hopefully, in the next couple of weeks where we're going to look to streamline it to make it be <coughs> a more Band of Brothers unofficial podcast. So, bringing on another actor to replace me who co-hosts with Matthew Leach, who plays Floyd Talbot. Um, it's very much early in the early stages of developing that at the moment. Um, Cause I feel like it just, it'll just be a more attractive, sexier proposition to the listeners. Um, we've got a battlefield tour to uh, of the battle of the bulge uh, in November with Freddie Joe and uh, Phil McKee, who plays Colonel Strayer in the show, attending that um, as well as Matthew Leach as well. Who was, a, who was a wonderful uh, host. And we're looking at, and obviously because of the demand 
of of that and because that sold out so quickly we're looking to run in another uh, identical tour in january so you're going to real bulge experience there with the weather nice um so that's looking to happen as well fantastic and we want to thank each and every one of you for joining us for another episode of the what's the scuttlebutt podcast if you want to support what we do here at the show please head over to wtspworldwar2.com and click on that patreon link and sign up and subscribe it'll cost you a dollar a month there's a few other plans on there too but you know what we'd be perfectly happy with that dollar a month plan and while you're over there please head over to our youtube channel like subscribe and watch some of our videos and that's the best way actually nay the best way to help support the show and what we do here, simply share us with a friend, someone like-minded, someone who enjoys military history, World War II history, or the like. And for myself, Jeff Henry, and Leighton Hughes, we will talk to you all next week. This has been a Digital 410 production. <laughs>